Section 13 of The Major Symptoms of Hysteria. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. The Major Symptoms of Hysteria by Pierre Janet. Lecture 13 Hysterical Stigmata Suggestibility. The need of unity in presence of the diversity of hysterical phenomena. The problem of the stigmata the stigma of anaesthesia, the historical importance of this stigma, its exaggeration, the two meanings of the word stigma, the psychological stigmata, the character of hystericals, instinctive falsehood, the mental stigma of suggestibility, the distinct meaning of the word suggestion, description of the principal facts of suggestion, the complete development of the elements contained in an idea without any participation of the will or of the personal consciousness the distinction between real suggestion and normal phenomena, the conditions of suggestion, the systematization of images, the absence of suggestion properly so-called with normal people, the weakening of consciousness, the lack of synthesis, suggestibility as a sign of hysteria, the disappearance of suggestibility after recovery from hysteria. The examination, even rapid, of the numerous accidents of hysteria raises inevitable problems in our minds. The most important one, the one that always torments the human mind in all possible studies, is the problem of unity, of the conception of the whole, of the essential and fundamental character. The first authors who described hystericals were always struck with the diversity and complexity of their symptoms. It is not a disease, said one of them, it is a host of ailments. And you know that, to express the changeableness of hysteria, Sydenham called it that proteus that cannot be laid hold of. Sometimes it takes the form of delirium, such as we have seen in somnambulisms, and we are in the domain of mental diseases. Sometimes it presents accidents of the arms and legs, which make us think of articular and muscular lesions. Now we meet with disturbances of the stomach or lungs, and we have to deal with visceral diseases, gastritis and pneumonias. You may understand the perplexity of the first clinicians, the best of whom came to abhor and loathe such a malady. They did not seek to take away from it its bad renown, for their scientific dissatisfaction discomposed them, made them impatient with the subject, and inclined them to call him a simulator and a debauchee. Slow was the reaction against this tendency, brought about by a very natural perplexity. The best answer has been to make hysteria intelligible, and above all to seek to give it some unity, by linking together those scattered accidents, by finding in all of them some fundamental features, which serve at once to explain them, to connect them with one another, to diagnosticate and to identify them. This need of unity under diversity, which has never been so serious as in the study of hysteria, has enlarged with regard to this study a problem that, upon the whole, exists in every medical research. The problem of the stigmata. If one admits that somnambulism, paralysis, vomiting are, all three of them, hysterical phenomena, in spite of their enormous differences, there must be something common among them. In the three patients a common character must be found, which is with all of them the starting point of the observed symptom, and serves to diagnosticate the hysterical character of this accident. That common character is the stigma, and one may say that, since the beginning of the scientific study of hysteria, all the attention of clinicians of any merit has been directed to the study and search of the stigma. 1. Of course this stigma has varied very much for it reflects the theories of each period on the diseases one considers. Now this essential stigma of hysteria was the convulsive attack, now the hysterical ball. 
you will read with astonishment the books of the beginning of the nineteenth century in which you will find that hysteria is recognized from the ball of nervous women for about fifty years past other more important characters have become predominant and you are aware that especially under the influence of the school of charcot one symptom has become the preeminent stigma namely anaesthesia the singling out of this symptom was in some degree an unconscious return to the past in the middle ages people had also a kind of diagnosis to make in order to recognize witches and those possessed as well as possible before burning them and you know the singular method they made use of a surgeon or an expert woman examined the body of the sufferer on all sides testing the sensibility with a sharp needle in order to discover the devil's claw that insensitive patch which was a certain sign of witchcraft they examined every nook and corner for the devil is in the habit of concealing himself in the most hidden places and they actually tested the sensibility of the mucous membranes as well as that of the skin the fact is really very curious and shows an instinctive medical perspicacity that has not been sufficiently celebrated well charcot nearly brought us back to the time of the celebrated inquisitor baudin and in our clinics we are somewhat like the woman who sought for witches we blindfold the subject we turn his head away rub his skin with our nail prick it suddenly with a hidden pin watch his answers or starts of pain the picture has not changed this research has allowed clinicians to establish that in many cases various anesthesias accompany most hysterical symptoms in the case of paralyses or contractures of the limbs the phenomenon is very clear and regular whether in regard to cutaneous sensitiveness or better still for it is very important to muscular sensitiveness in the case of sensorial accidents the anesthesia is very often quite distinct at the periphery sometimes it conceals itself by taking extremely interesting forms which the inquisitors did not know how to seek for such as the contraction of the visual field in the case of visceral accidents and of certain motor disturbances which are rather agitations than paralyses the question becomes more delicate often the superficial anaesthesia of the region indicates the diseased organ but to be sincere this is not always true when we have to deal with the great mental accidents with all the innumerable forms of somnambulism the anaesthesia sought for by charcot is often to be met with but it does not constitute the absolute rule that method which consisted in characterizing hysteria by anaesthesia and by the contraction of the visual field has enabled medicine to make great progress it has successively brought about the discovery of a crowd of unknown hysterical symptoms of special spasms tremors localized pains etc must it continue to dominate in medicine and must anaesthesia be made an essential symptom the discussion on this point began at the very outset of the teaching of charcot his adversaries and they were numerous always opposed his interpretation of this symptom the great and interminable quarrel about traumatic neuroses which began especially in germany in connection with railway accidents rests on this question this criticism is in great part justified for hysterical anaesthesia certainly does not play in practice the absolutely preponderant role that charcot maintained it did first of all it is only too certain that this anaesthesia is not so easy to recognize as was believed it has as we have seen very delicate psychological characteristics which make the answers of the subject very often difficult to interpret but above all it is very mobile very impressionable now your examination alone will suffice to cause a real anaesthesia to disappear now and this is more serious your manner of interrogating will create outright an anaesthesia that did not exist the study of the stigmata is made on no patients so well as on old ones the real pillars of the hospital who have already been examined thousands of times 
when you have to deal with new patients who have not yet been touched you recognize with astonishment that anesthesia is rarer less important than charcot said on this point i apologize myself and acknowledge that under the influence of la salpetriere i formerly attributed more importance to anesthesia than i would do now what then must be our conclusion as to the role of anesthesia as a stigma we should understand one another and not ask the sciences of observation which are so difficult to furnish us with absolute theorems in my opinion the two meanings of the word stigma should be separated in the first place it has a theoretical meaning it indicates the fundamental character the causal character from which the rest of the disease springs for instance if you consider a tuberculous lesion the real stigma will be the bacillus of koch because we consider it at least at the present day as the cause of all the innumerable lesions however varied they are it will be the same with the existence of the pale spirochete of chaudin in syphilis if the hypothesis is corroborated now we must own that anaesthesia does not play this role in hysteria that we do not know the microbe of that malady that there is probably none and that we know no better its histological lesion from this standpoint charcot's stigma has failed but the stigma has another meaning which is practical it is a mere means of diagnosis now anaesthesia accompanies two-thirds of the hysterical accidents it has besides the character of persisting long after the disappearance of the accident the result is that almost all the hystericals who at present show a serious phenomenon have had in the past one of those accidents that leave behind them as a trace some persisting anaesthesia i examine in a subject of perplexing mental or sensorial disturbance and find traces of a hemianesthesia it means that in the course of his life he has already had in a greater or smaller degree a hysterical hemiplegy i establish with him a contraction of the visual field which he did not even know it proves to me that he has had in a greater or smaller degree a hysterical amorosis is not this recognition extremely important for the interpretation of the present accident even if i do not believe at all that this anaesthesia accounts for his accident very often in medicine the stigmata are not so serious as the bacillus of koch you examine a patient who has serious intestinal disturbances and fever you seek on his breast for the little rosy lenticular spots and if you find them you say it is typhoid fever yet you do not know the role of those spots in the evolution of typhoid fever i think therefore that the anaesthesia of charcot must remain in practice a very important stigma the search for which is in the first rank of the methods of diagnosis but that it is not the only or fundamental symptom of hysteria there are some troubles and symptoms which we connect with hysteria though we do not recognize any anaesthesia we must look more deeply for other phenomena playing the role of stigmata two anaesthesia pleased the physicians because this symptom is in some manner intermediate between physical and moral phenomena they could not make up their minds to make hysteria a purely mental malady they always declared that such was the case but in reality they quickly forgot that declaration to consider by preference physical symptoms and measure them through physical methods since hysteria has become a more distinctly mental malady it is in the mind that we must seek for the stigmata and that we have a chance to find more general stigmata coexisting with all the accidents scientists had long felt that there was a hysterical mental state you know that it was the fashion to write theses on the character of hystericals they were first brought into relief in the works of le grand du sol ballet mebius tardieu richet etc certain curious and striking but of course somewhat exceptional features 
our poor patients were not lucky formerly they were burnt as witches then they were accused of all possible debaucheries then when the manners had become gentler one was content with saying that they were versatile to excess remarkable for their spirit of duplicity of falsehood of perpetual simulation a common feature characterizes them says tardieu namely instinctive simulation the inveterate and incessant need of unceasingly lying without reason solely for the sake of lying and this not only in words but also in action by a kind of parade in which the imagination plays the principal part gives birth to the most inconceivable incidents and sometimes proceeds to the most disastrous extremities so falsehood becomes the stigma of hysteria do not smile there are still many physicians who take that seriously no doubt falsehood exists in hysteria and often it is even very amusing i regretted very much when we studied mental disturbances not having the time to devote a lecture to the accidents of falsehood i have known two or three subjects one especially who were really magnificent this poor woman has had all her life that is for thirty years an extravagant need of falsehood above all of falsehood by letters her greatest happiness consists in devising amorous correspondence she sends to an individual man or woman marvellous letters in which she states that he or she has inspired her with a sudden love when passing on the promenade what is most wonderful is that it always takes the gentleman answers post restante and she goes on with the correspondence for months or years what is sad is that it ended before the assizes but the observation deserves to be published falsehood is in my opinion one of the mental accidents of the neurosis one of the deliriums that the hysterical may have in a very serious or in an attenuated degree just as she may have somnambulisms or fugues that is to say ambulatory fits but it is very well known that all hystericals have not necessarily made fugues likewise they have not necessarily all of them the mental accident of falsehood its frequency has been much exaggerated it has been so often described that in the end patients were trained to present it formerly le grand du sol was convinced that all hystericals had red flowers in their hair and red ribbons tied to their bedsteads at length he made them believe it we cannot dwell on these first mental stigmata which only show the importance that must be attached to psychological disturbances in reality the great mental stigma that modern studies have brought into evidence is the mental phenomenon of suggestion no doubt i begin to think that the importance given to it in particular in the last works of babinski is somewhat exaggerated but it is certain that this exaggeration is as yet very slight and that suggestion is indeed one of the most fundamental stigmata of the hysterical state but it is necessary to define this phenomenon exactly to give a distinct meaning to the word because physicians are in the habit of using it in an extremely vague manner of comprising under this word all possible mental phenomena it is needless to recall the fundamental phenomena of suggestion you know them very well you cause any idea whatever to penetrate into the mind of the subject through any means you please through sensations signs and especially speech note this fact there must be an idea the subject must have the thought the conception of something precise this idea does not seem to conduct itself in him as it usually does in normal minds when somebody puts an idea into our head this idea brings in its train it is true other thoughts which revolve around it some more or less vague images some gestures or some incipient movement if you speak to me of the falls of the niagara i cannot help seeing dimly in a kind of penumbra a few fragments of that fine scenery if i am surrounded with calm i shall be able to dwell a little on that remembrance and to call to mind a few particulars of my journey 
the images i see are always dim and the words i speak i speak to myself i always know very well that i am not actually before the falls and in reality i do not see them if you speak to me of dancing of balls of rhythmical music the idea awakens in me even to this day an inclination to move my legs feelings of rhythms i may even go so far as to move my feet in cadence but don't be afraid nobody in a drawing-room will be aware of it for the movement is very slight and is perceptible only to myself it is thus that things happen when ideas are called up in our minds it is quite different with really suggestible individuals the idea seems to be transformed and to become at once another psychological phenomenon an act or a perception in fact they almost immediately move their limbs in a manner quite visible outwardly they really get up and dance they walk run jump struggle cry instead of confining themselves to thinking the object they seem to see it in reality or to hear it they conduct themselves before our eyes like individuals who have perceptions and not ideas they reply to imaginary words their facial expression is that of a person who hears if we question them they tell us without hesitation that they see niagara before them and the spectacle has so much intensity that it seems completely to efface the normal vision of the things that surround them other ideas become connected with the first still with the same intensity and the same transformation into actions and perceptions they seem to make a complete journey they go along the edge of the falls over the bridge down the ravines they receive the water in their face etc all these ideas grouped together form a very close association in their mind and it will henceforth suffice to call up one to give birth to all the others it is no longer necessary to say the word niagara a mere vague noise brings about the whole dream these associations are very important in suggestions for they determine particular reactions of the subjects to such or such excitation thus such a subject may have acquired the habit of convulsions or contractures of the limbs when he sees an electric apparatus or is touched with a magnet these patients have shakes in their muscles as soon as you put the electrodes of the apparatus on their arms even if the current does not pass through others will experience burns or refrigerations or will feel relieved when they see gold silver or iron plates applied to their limbs it is that which has caused so many gross medical mistakes alas what is left of the big books on the action of metallic plates of resin plates on the action of a breath indicated by monsieur dumont pallier on the action of passes of the hands turned pointwise towards the subject another important characteristic of suggestion will manifest itself in the visceral domain no doubt certain ideas awaken also in us certain visceral sensations a slight nausea or vesicle sensations but all that is very slight just like the feeling of dancing an essential trait of those patients it was said is that they make their thoughts penetrate into their viscera the idea of vomiting brings about real vomiting an imaginary purge with pure water brings about a real diarrhoea the menses are stopped or restored with pills of mycopanis this is again a very essential phenomenon for it seems to come close to the real accidents which are to be observed with patients in many circumstances we may generalize the essential phenomena that take place in these different cases the idea is always as we have already remarked with regard to somnambulisms a system of images each of which has different muscular or visceral properties see the figure one in the first lecture with the normal man these systems which are always very numerous stop one another and do not develop in suggestion each idea seems to develop to the maximum to give all it contains in the way of images muscular movements and visceral phenomena this complete development of all the elements contained in an idea is an essential characteristic of the phenomenon 
but you may say this development can also be sometimes effected with us a painter a novelist develops his ideas seeks for all their elements renders them as living as possible it is what all of us do when we try to perform some work for then the idea brings about material movements of our limbs the thought of looking for a book causes me really to look for it this is quite true but in all these cases the development only takes place through a particular mechanism an accessory force is added to the idea by the will namely attention personality these words represent an ensemble of very powerful tendencies which are formed in us by all our past and these tendencies are added to the idea too weak by itself to make it grow you know the trouble the voluntary and conscious effort that the development of his idea costs an artist in suggestion you meet with nothing of the kind there is no effort on the part of the subject no addition of strength from his anterior tendencies no work of his personality on the contrary he does not seem to realize the development of what takes place within him as has often been recognized he forgets his suggestions as soon as they are ended he seems to be very little conscious of them while they are being executed very often he executes them without knowing it quite subconsciously in this connection it is very important to remark that not all the phenomena executed by subjects of this kind are suggestions they may like normal individuals act out of compliance with our desire add to the idea the force given them by the wish to obey to ingratiate themselves with us by a regard to their interest or the fear of punishment one should not say that a hospital patient whom one frightens and bewilders and who hastens to execute any foolish act in order not to displease the physician is an individual beset with a suggestion in order that there may be a suggestion it is precisely necessary that all these normal causes of development should be wanting and that the idea should seem to develop to the extreme without any participation of the will or of the personal consciousness of the subject bear this definition in mind many authors who launched too precipitately into these psychological studies considered themselves satisfied when they had merely remarked the moral character of the phenomenon they said that suggestion is an idea that penetrates into the mind of the subject and stops there this is childish as i have so often tried to show any idea entering into the mind is not a suggestion we recognize the fact ourselves if we show astonishment at the phenomenon of suggestion it is because we think it offers something abnormal and exceptional the subjects themselves notice it their minds are not filled all day long with suggestions they know very well how to distinguish what is suggestion in them from what is not a patient has sometimes answered me in a vulgar but quite characteristic way sir i do not know the reason but the thing did not take what do you mean you did not understand what i said yes i understood quite well then you do not wish to do that you do not accept i accept all you please i am quite ready to obey you and i will do it if you choose only i tell you beforehand that the thing did not take with the preceding definition of suggestion these answers of the patient would have no meaning the idea having penetrated into the mind and having been accepted should be accounted a suggestion yet the patient was right she has experienced suggestions she knows what they are and although she accepted the new idea willingly and with absolute confidence and obedience yet she felt that things were not proceeding in the same way and that it was not a suggestion one should not fall into this exaggeration and take away from the word suggestion all precision of meaning as the ordinary psychological terms memory association of ideas belief resolution designate distinct facts so the word suggestion must also designate a very special fact the complete development of an idea which takes place without the will 
and the personal perception of the subject three now that you have formed a precise idea of suggestion and are not likely to confound it with any other psychological phenomenon you will readily accept an inevitable consequence of this first remark namely that suggestion is no longer a commonplace and constant phenomenon it presents itself only in certain cases and under certain conditions which it is necessary to determine suggestion appears to us to present two great characteristics first it is a complete development second it is a development independent of certain ideas both characteristics require certain conditions it is necessary in the first place in order that an idea shall develop itself that the innumerable images of which it is composed be awakened and arrange themselves in a series in a proper manner this is not an unimportant condition though it is not always met certain minds no longer retain images of their sensations and above all they no longer keep up the systematization of these images they are incapable of calling them up and arranging them in a series they are therefore not suggestible subjects the type of such individuals will from the first come under the name dementia it is quite plain that with an insane person the images are no longer systematized and that consequently the ideas are no longer either understood or developed much hope has been cherished for the therapeutics of insanity through suggestion we are afraid this operation can be applied only to very special cases suggestion requires in order to be developed a mind relatively sane the first condition of suggestion is a certain strength of mind and some patients are not suggestible because they are so to say below suggestion like some infected patients who are incapable of having fever but ought we immediately to pass to the other extreme of opinion and maintain that suggestion is compatible with a mind normally healthy and that it is continually met in the sanest persons this is an opinion which appears to us equally unsound despite the affirmations of certain authors we must confess that we have not succeeded in giving suggestions to people of normal good health it is useless to discuss the sense of the word health and to pretend that ideal health does not exist it were repeating the sophism of the greeks regarding the bald-headed man we speak of men generally considered normal without pathological or hereditary antecedents or personal blemishes in a neuropathic sense without actual defects medically appreciable if we take a person of that kind a kind that is numerous we must confess and if we state to him that there is a little dog at the corner of the table where he is sitting he will laugh in our face and experience no hallucination whatsoever this fact appears to us incontestable and to speak of suggestion with sane persons one is obliged to consider quite different facts effects of education habits recollections beliefs etc they are psychological phenomena which are apparently akin to suggestion but the mechanism of which is very different these facts have only gradually become automatic thanks to the patient's consent these acts even today are accepted by the individual who is aware of them and assimilates them with his personality the result is that such actions are not aggressive they are limited in their development by other thoughts with which they are brought into relation docile obedient persons disposed to think of others as having more intelligence and experience than themselves and on account of this apt to believe what they are taught are not suggestible persons this complete automatic development of the personality in the fashion of a parasite is not met with in the normal mind on the other hand every time that we have established in a person unmistakable suggestibility we have had no difficulty in demonstrating numerous and evident traces of mental disease more or less grave such as an excessive absence of mind or even properly called anaesthesias attacks paralyses fixed ideas 
we find in the past of such persons all sorts of neuropathic accidents and the simple fact that suggestibility is still persistent nowadays should impose great reserve on the physician in regard to prognosticating their future suggestibility with them should in fact not be considered a simple exaggeration of docility and normal belief such persons are often neither docile nor believing they have an unsteady undisciplined disposition they themselves recognize that they do not succeed in believing i have no more confidence in anybody i have no confidence at all in you they often say to me and yet you can make them see through hallucinations all you wish they are incapable of voluntary obedience which demands strength of mind and they undergo in a sickly sort of way all automatic impulsion thus we have admitted that suggestion cannot develop in sickly minds that it demands in order to attain to its full power minds relatively sane but we have just now demonstrated that it depends on a lack of synthesis on a weakening of consciousness are not these two affirmations contradictory a symptom may disappear in certain maladies and still remain a pathological symptom the same with suggestion it does not belong to all mental disorders but it is the sign of a particular mental disease it is necessary for its occurrence that the automatic association of the psychological elements be preserved and that the actual synthesis of the phenomena be altered or reduced it requires as its essential condition a malady of the personality it must be confessed that there is a particular disease which unites in a wonderful manner the two essential conditions of suggestion which are the preservation of automatism and the diminution of personal synthesis this is the hysterical state the study of all the accidents has constantly shown us these two characteristics in hysteria a tendency to suggestion and subconscious acts is the sign of mental disease but it is above all the sign of hysteria let us take another point of view and consider all the patients we clinically regarded as hysterical i say that you will almost always find again in them without difficulty all the phenomena of suggestion first of all you will find them experimentally if you set aside the old quarrels and examine calmly all the subjects who have been presented as fine examples of suggestion you will first see that most of them are somnambulists do not forget in fact that it is in the hypnotic state that suggestion was first described now the hypnotic state is nothing but the reproduction of a hysterical somnambulism and i do not hesitate to add in a hysterical subject next it has been shown that suggestion exists in the waking state with these same subjects susceptible of presenting hypnotism there is no need to demonstrate this diagnosis then suggestibility has been shown from time to time in individuals who were not and had not yet been hypnotized mistrust these observations you must first ascertain whether the suggestions indicated were real suggestions whether the observer with his preconceived ideas was not content with some naive obedience or alas with some comedy but if the fact is true and it is sometimes so examine the individual clinically and i assure you that you will have no difficulty in recognizing that he is hysterical for my part i have never seen a fine suggestible subject who was not clearly hysterical and inversely i have been able to make all the experiments of suggestion on the subjects who on the other hand had decided morbid accidents inversely this relation between suggestibility and the hysterical neurosis can be verified in the clearest manner by studying the disappearance of suggestion in fact as suggestion does not exist with everybody so you must not fancy that it constantly exists during all the life of the hysterical there are many circumstances in which the suggestibility of hysteria tends to disappear what is most interesting in this connection is that it disappears completely when the disease is cured 
a great number of those persons after having kept for some time both the accidents and the mental dispositions that characterize this neurosis recover completely well at that moment suggestions no longer take and these subjects bear themselves in regard to suggestions like normal individuals this is a very important fact which i have already pointed out in connection with hypnotism i have described it these twenty years and the theoreticians who will absolutely find hypnotism and suggestion in everybody have never replied a word to this argument besides there are other circumstances in which the hysterical recovers at least partially for it is a very changeable malady in certain periods of rest of health in certain somnambulisms or in that which has been wrongly called the second state of felida we have seen that the hysterical states disappear you will likewise recognize that the suggestibility disappears this symptom only reappears in a state of depression together with all the other accidents i described long ago those women who are suggestible only three days a month during their menstrual period experimental suggestion has never existed with any persons but with hystericals by the side of this experiment you may place real non-experimental suggestions which occur accidentally and are often the cause of accidents i mean those accidents with which the patients are inspired by the events of their lives and which by developing themselves to an exaggerated degree bring about attacks paralytic accidents or singular visceral diseases malebranche related in the seventeenth century the story of a woman who because she had seen a rider dragged by the foot had a disease and a paralysis in her foot we continually see facts of this kind nowadays one patient had an amorosis in her left eye because she has seen a child with scabs on its left eye and another vomits incessantly because he has nursed a cancer of the stomach in all these cases if you examine the evolution of the disease its symptoms the accidents that preceded it i do not hesitate to assure you that you will always again find the same neurosis in a word my opinion on this point has become more and more definite suggestion is a precise and relatively rare phenomenon it presents itself experimentally or accidentally only with hystericals and inversely all hystericals when we study them from this standpoint present this same phenomenon in a higher or lower degree if we add that as we shall see later this psychological fact plays a great role in the formation of their disease we may say that the most important mental stigma of hysteria is suggestibility we have still to ask ourselves whether there are not other mental stigmata to be added to this one End of section 13.